Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. That light that Jesus sheds into a soul helps a person to see the very first thing that every person needs to see and it's their greatest need. It's amazing, isn't it, that some people see things so clearly and yet others can't see for looking. We use the phrase, shed some light on it, to describe someone opening our eyes, as it were, to see what we've been ignoring or avoiding. In the New Testament book of John, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, and not just for that time in history, but for all time. Shall we find out what that actually means? I invite you to stay tuned now as we join Dr. Corbett and seek to understand Jesus' declaration, I am the light of the world. Good morning. We're looking at our next instalment in the Gospel of John. So I need to pray because I need God's help and I need to pray because you need God's help to hear what the Word of God is saying to us today. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to your Word. Help us to hear your voice by your spirit through your word. May we understand what you're saying and may our hearts be ready to respond. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing through the Gospel of John, the last gospel, the gospel of belief. We've seen so far that in nearly every chapter, There's a contrast of response to Christ. The contrast to Christ is that some saw what Christ did, heard what Christ said, and they believed. And then as they got to hear and understand and witness what Christ was doing, what he was about, they put their trust in him. And the expression that John uses is they believed in him. So there's a difference between saying, oh, I believe there is a God, and there is a difference between saying, I now believe in God. And the difference is one leads to trust, that trust leads to surrender, that surrender leads to obedience and becoming what John's Gospel calls a follower. And that's what I hope to do today. I hope to be able to share with you good reasons why I think not just was this relevant for some 2,000 years ago, but in fact it's still relevant today, that we today can come to believe Jesus, believe in Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and follow Jesus. I, I I do want to stress that when I say this, we're not talking about joining a church or becoming quote unquote religious. We're actually talking about developing an intimate relationship with Christ that means all of the things that have caused us to be in some way broken. And the Bible calls salvation wholeness, becoming whole again. And when something's broken, it's fractured or bits are missing. And when you come to Christ, he wants to make you whole, whole again. And being whole again means that those things that once had us bound in fear, those things that once held us back, those things that we once we thought we could never go there because maybe a pain from the past or maybe a hurt or an injury no longer sting because Christ has made us whole. And so as we look at this section, we're going to see Christ demonstrating the intensity of the passion 
that he had to demonstrate the very thing he was calling people to do. And what do I mean by that? He trusted implicitly in his heavenly father. When he was cajoled by his younger brothers, go to Jerusalem and if you're really who you claim to be, then go and prove it to the largest gathering in Israel, which was at the feast. And Jesus said, no, you go. I will not go. And as we've seen, it was shortly after that that the father said, now, now go, son. And he went and it was remarked in that timing that he went right into the crowds who had come from around the empire to be there at the feast, as all good faithful Jews had done, that Jesus steps up, literally steps onto the steps of the temple and he declares, Come to me, all who thirst. Come to me. And what we're going to see now is that everything he said corresponded to the, the aspect of the feasts that the Jewish leaders were leading Israel in and where there was the Feast of Tabernacles. Later on, we'll see that that has rich symbolism grounded in Christ. It speaks of our res ultimate resurrection. And when Jesus says, come to me all who thirst, we see that in that day of the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, the part of the, the closing part of that was the drawing of fresh water. And that's when Jesus cries out, come to me all who thirst. And now we're going to see, and, and we've already looked at the episode where a woman who was caught in the act of adultery had been brought to him and he had declared, go and sin no more after not so much rescuing her, but revealing to her his heart, not to condemn her but to see her made whole. In her brokenness, she had entered into sexual sin and Jesus, with a very gentle shepherd's tone of voice, said to her, Go and sin no more. And now we find ourselves in the Gospel of John where we see that Jesus is is now going to speak. He's going to, to speak to the, the people of Israel and he's going to, again, correspond what he's saying with that part of the closing, the closing rituals of that feast where candles were lit. And this represented the light of the law, the light of the law. And so what we have now is Jesus saying, I am that light. I am the light of the world. It is me. Come to me. And this is what, what we're going to look at now in, in John's gospel. Here's the question. When Jesus declares this about being light, we're, we're mindful that the reason this language is being used is because people were in darkness, which made them blind. Later on, we're going to see in the next chapter that when after Jesus heals a blind man and then he has this discussion with the religious leaders, he says to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. 
But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. In other words, what Jesus is doing here is pointing out to the religious leaders, you claim that you don't need to be saved. You claim that you don't need God. You claim that you don't need what I am offering and only I can offer. And so Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 12, and this is where we pick it up, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Who needs to see? Who's walking in darkness? That light that Jesus sheds into a soul helps a person to see the very first thing that every person needs to see. And it's their greatest need. That light helps people to see their greatest need. That's the first thing. Great uh, commentator for the 20th century, R.V.G. Tasker, wrote a great commentary on John's Gospel. And he put it this way, Man's greatest need, it has been well said, is to know what is his greatest need. What was the greatest need? The greatest need is to discover that the only way a person can realise their greatest need is if their eyes are opened. In other words, if they're in a pitch dark room, someone turns the light on and now they can see the danger, they can see the peril, they can see what they're actually dealing with. And this is what Jesus is now saying, come to me, I am the light of the world, just as the religious leaders we're doing this ritual of lighting the lamps, which represented the light of God's law. But now we know that it's the light of Christ, who is the embodiment of the word of God, the embodiment of the law. So we read in verse 13, So the Pharisee said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge, Jesus told them, according to the flesh. I judge no one. This is an important point to realize that there's language being used here where Jesus, when he says of the flesh, he's contra there's contrasts all through this section, which I'll point out in a moment. But the flesh is just to use your own judgment without any reference to God. So Jesus says, you judge according to your flesh. In other words, by your rules. I judge no one, and I guess we could say, I judge no one by that standard. Verse 16. You even, yet even if I do judge... My judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And this is where we can say, this is what he was saying when he says, I judge no one. I'm not judging by your standard. I and my Father are judging by a different standard. Jesus says, in your law, 
which is an indication that they had distorted the law. They had misread the intent of the law. And we see in Matthew's Gospel that Jesus sums up all the law by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. And the second commandment that sums up the law is just like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. But Jesus says, In your law, the distorted law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Where is your father? Now they knew that Joseph the carpenter had long died. You know, Jesus said, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And again, here we have this this thing about language, where Jesus is saying things, they do not understand it, they do not get it. And in hindsight, we can now look back and go, well, Jesus was being really, really clear. He was also being really, really firm. And he was loving. And as he was saying, I am the light of the world, he was actually shedding life into darkness. And he was showing that this this life, this life that he was offering that he calls light, was, was shining a bright light into the darkness of the Jewish leaders. I wish I could speak the way Jesus must have spoken because there was a tremendous response to him. The way he said some really tough things, I think very, very courageously, were often received in a, in a tremendously open and receptive way. And I hope as I share this, you hear his voice and my voice just dissipates and fades into the background. And you hear his voice say, come to me, come to me. If you're thirsty, if your soul is parched and dry, if life has beaten you up and you can't handle it anymore, come to me. Come to me. I will give you light for your path. And as we have discussed, the first thing that that light does is help people to see their greatest need. And as Professor Tasker says, mankind's greatest need is to recognize their greatest need. What is our greatest need? To be made right with God. All of life is out of balance. All of life is out of focus. All of life is out of kilter until that is dealt with. So we see Jesus saying these things and these words he spoke in the treasury so right up the front right near the temple precinct right in the the midst of the temple precinct where people were putting their offerings in but no one arrested him because here's that expression that john uses throughout his gospel his hour had not yet come in essence what we see here is that jesus has described the light that he offers as truth when he talks about shedding light into darkness when he talks about 
opening blind eyes, those eyes that are in a depth, the depth of darkness, and now he turns a light on so that they can see what is it that they're going to see? They're going to see the truth. Jesus is saying, this is the truth. I'm t- I am the truth. You need the light that comes from the truth. And so John declares that Jesus was actually declaring these things near where the offering takes place. It was there that where everyone came. So it wasn't like Jesus was being coy about this. It wasn't like this was being done in some secret corner of the temple precinct. Jesus was right there in the most public place declaring this what where the offering chests were that they were called shofar chests they were in the shape of a horn and people could drop their coins no paper money back in those days of course and so this was this was done incredibly publicly verse 21 so he said to them again i'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin where i am going you cannot come so the jews said to him Will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, and here's these contrasts again that Jesus is doing. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, this is is an incredibly bold statement. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, some commentators have pointed to the fact this sounds very reminiscent of what the Lord in the burning bush said to Moses when Moses said who shall i say has sent me and from the the burning bush the voice of the lord comes tell them i am has sent you and people see that in this many commentators see jesus is declaring the same thing here i am and if that be the case when he says unless you believe that i am the same lord that called moses from the bush If you do not turn to me and trust what I am saying, you will die in your sins. This should put to bed the notion that all God wants is for people to be religious. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what you call God. You can call him Krishna. You could call him Allah. You could call him uh, Buddha. You could call him any name you like as long as you just call on a God and God will accept that. But here Jesus is saying something completely contradictory to that. He's not being contradictory, but he is contradicting people who often wear religious robes and have religious titles and sometimes even claim to be speaking on his behalf. And here he says, you must believe that I am he. Now, other commentators don't go so far as to say he's invoking the same divine title and name as the the Lord in the burning bush who appeared to Moses, but they do point out that he is invoking passages such as Isaiah 41, 
where the Lord is speaking and the Lord says, Who has performed and done this? Calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. And the same expression takes place in Isaiah 43, verses 10, 13, 25. In Isaiah 46, verse 4. Isaiah 48, verse 12. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, where the Lord declares, I am he. So they said to him, they said to Jesus, this, the religious leaders who are now standing there listening to what he's saying, they say, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. And this points out, Jesus was being plain. He was telling them straight up, I am the son of man, the son of man. This was some people have not appreciated the weight and the depth of what Jesus is saying here. He's quoting Daniel chapter 7, where it forecasts the coming of the Messiah and it reveals him to be the one who is to judge all mankind. In other words, he has divine prerogatives and he is referred to in Daniel chapter 7 as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. If you ever get to read Second Enoch, you'll see the same forecast of the Messiah. He is described there as well as the Son of Man. It becomes a divine title and it points to the fact that God became flesh. This is the one. This is the incarnate one. This is he. John chapter 8 verse 26. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. And here's the contrast again. We see these contrasts throughout this exchange. John chapter 8 is really a profound section. It's happening just before Jesus would be very shortly taken to the cross. So Jesus said to them, verse 28, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. There's that divine title used in Isaiah again. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. You can imagine being in Galilee when Jesus was going around saying what he was saying and people people commented, no one talks like this. We have never heard anyone talk like this. Not even the prophets. All of the prophets said, thus saith the Lord. But here's Jesus of Nazareth saying, I say to you. He's not speaking as, a, as an intermediary, he's not speaking in a way that he's drawing all of, all of his authority from some other external sense in the same way as the prophets did. He's declaring directly, I say, you have heard it said, but I say, no one, no prophet, no religious leader, no one had spoken like this with the full authority of God and here he tells them and man Jesus I've much to tell you but everything I'm telling you now you 
don't understand, you can't receive it. This is why we have the rest of the New Testament, which gives us some of those things that were obviously to be given later, as the apostles pointed back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And then in the closing book of the Bible, it points forward to what awaits those who believe, believe in, trust, surrender and follow Jesus. What awaits those is glory, not heaven. Heaven is just a word to say this is where God's presence is. And our ultimate destiny is to be where God is. And there's more to be said about that through our understanding of the book of Revelation. But Jesus had some profound things which he'd said, and they were not understood, but they would be, he says. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And John points this out, even though it seemed that there were that many now came to believe in Jesus, Christ responds by explaining what this must mean, what this truly means to believe in him. Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews, to these Jews who had believed in him, who had believed him, this is what it looks like. You, if you abide in my word, what I'm telling you, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And sometimes all people do is quote that verse, which is you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And ignore the verse that precedes it, which is actually part of the same sentence. <laughs> abide in my word. If you abide in my word, if you keep my word, in other words, this is what we're saying. Believe, believe in, trust, surrender, follow, obey. That's what it means to believe in. And you might be listening to this right now and you might be here right now hearing what I'm saying and think, oh, he's just talking about becoming religious. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm so not. I'm saying there is a relationship that Jesus offers and you can begin to experience it right now. Right now. You are not a million miles away from God. You may have been searching for God, but now you need to surrender and accept that he's seeking you out. That's why these strange coincidences have been happening in your life. Lately, And that's why even what I'm saying to you now, you know, is just another one of those coincidences that shows you God is seeking you. He's searching you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who knows what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've done it with. You can find forgiveness because Jesus took your sin, guilt and and shame and paid the price for it to the Father by suffering and dying on the cross. He bore the wrath that your sin and my sin deserves. And now he offers you an exchange. Give to him your brokenness 
and he will give you his light and life and water and food for your soul. Christ's word, R.V.G. Tasker says, is indistinguishable from Christ himself. He is the word. To abide in his word is therefore to abide in him. That's such a beautiful turn of expression. It's beautiful. It is the word of Christ which reveals the light that Christ sheds. It's his word. Christ, in talking with the religious leaders, he tells them straight up about his origin, his identity, who he really is, the authority that he has with with and from the Father, and he contrasts it with all of those things of the Jewish leaders. We see this all through this section in John 8 where Jesus has contrasted his authority and origin in verse 14 where he says, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. And in verse 15, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. In verse 23, he talks about who they seek to please. Jesus seeks the approval of his Father above. He seeks to please his Father. The Jewish leaders seek the approval of men. Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And then using very strong language, verses 27 and comparing it with verse 44, their father, Jesus says, was the devil. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Christ's father, on the other hand, was the eternal God, Lord of heaven and earth. Verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father, the father God. So we see here what Jesus was saying, they just didn't get, they didn't understand it. Christ's light, at this point in his conversation with the Jewish leaders, had become so intense because he was declaring to them that he was the eternal Son of God. John 8, 58 and 59, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It wasn't Christ's time to die that way or at that time. Now Jesus today offers you light for your soul, for your life journey, so that you no longer have to walk in darkness, always getting hurt, always being hurt, and always hurting others. Without that true light that Jesus offers, every person walks in darkness and is without hope, Jesus was saying. 
And again, I point out to you, you are not a million miles away from God. You are just one prayer away. And that's what I want to do right now. Let's pray. Father, for those who have joined with me now, those who are here and those who are listening online, at home, in their car, walking, listening to the podcast on findingtruthmatters.org, wherever they're listening right now, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And if that's your prayer, can I just lead you in a prayer? It's a very simple prayer of being reconciled to God. It sounds something like this. God, please forgive me. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place and to bear my sin, my guilt, my shame and the punishment that my wrongdoing deserves. Thank you, Lord, that you now offer to me the forgiveness that Jesus now offers because he took my sin, guilt and shame into eternity where it's forever dealt with and he rose from the dead and conquered sin and death. Please, Lord, help me to live for you. I believe in you. Help me to trust you. Help me to surrender to you and help me to follow you. And I pray for all those who've joined with me now that you would help them to know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select The Last Gospel, Part 14, from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, the light that Jesus sheds into a soul helps that person see their greatest need. Jesus offers you light for your life journey so that you no longer walk in darkness. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.